Divorce was weighing heavy on the mind of White Snake lead singer David Coverdale during the early 1980s. Coverdale's first marriage had ended in 1978, only seven months after it began, and in 1981, his band was going through a divorce of its own as members were cutting ties despite the band's critical success. Whitesnake always seemed to be in debt, and I thought, what is this? We're playing in some of the biggest places, and we're still being told we're in debt. Where was all the money going? We hadn't got much money out of it, and to be told you're 200,000 pounds in debt when you just had six golden albums? It wasn't just me, because everybody was getting tired, pissed off, and losing their sense of identity. It was over by then. We couldn't get any further, said guitarist Mickey Moody. Coverdale briefly put the band on hiatus before reforming the band with mostly new members to finish the 1982 album, Saints and Sinners. This album featured two songs Coverdale wrote specifically about going through divorce, and these two songs wound up being re-recorded for the band's eponymous 1987 album. Whitesnake label bosses Al Khoury and David Geffen specifically wanted Coverdale to re-record one of the divorce songs, but Coverdale said he would only do it if he got the chance to re-record his other divorce song, Crying in the Rain. The re-recordings of these songs transformed their original, blues-influenced compositions into something much more representative of the 80s, hard rock power ballads. Of these two songs, the one requested by the label bosses would go on to become a massive hit, but not before being re-recorded a third time. The album version features a slow, piano-driven intro that lasts over a minute, which radio stations were unwilling to play. Label head Geffen requested a final, radio-friendly re-record, which Coverdale obliged. The radio version hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and the Canadian Singles chart, as well as number nine on the UK Singles chart. The single was further cemented in the popular consciousness by the 1987 music video, which featured model Julie E. Tawny Katane posing and dancing on the hood of two Jaguar cars. Coverdale and Katane ended up getting married two years later in 1989, and their marriage lasted until 1991. On May 7, 2021, Tawny Katane passed away from currently unknown causes at the age of 59. In honor of her passing, we're talking Here I Go Again by Whitesnake on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one ain't wasting no more time. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by another lonely heart in need of rescue. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, in need of rescue, how are ya? Um, I'm doing A-OK. That is excellent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful here. It's like, it's like summer. There's, Hell pe- yeah. there's people on the river, on rafts, rafts floating down. It's good, good time. That's dank. That's yeah. That's Calgary summers when people are out rafting. Mm-hmm. But not you can't drink on the rafts. Not allowed to do that. No, I think people do. Oh, they still do it for sure. But but, but like you're not supposed to. And they have the um, police, I guess, and they're police. Yeah, like boats. a boat patrol. Yeah, going down the river, so that does Now, happen. is it legal to to smoke weed on a raft in Calgary? <laughs> Not a couple years ago when we went rafting. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking now, because 
in Vancouver, it's legal to smoke in public outdoors. Right. It's the same, same rules as cigarettes. But I think in Calgary, it's very restrictive, isn't it? I don't know. I haven't really bumped up against those rules. Right. I guess you wouldn't <laughs> have to worry yeah, about Yeah, I haven't those. looked them up. Yeah. So I'm not sure. It's, yeah, it was weird because coming out here, I was like, wow, people are smoking weed everywhere. And I'm pretty sure in beautiful Calgary, they say, no, you can't do that. No, I mean, you, you can... Private s- property. Like, it, it happens... Oh, for sure. Like I know, just because like you walk around and you can smell it or whatever. But um, I don't know. I don't know what the regulations are. I I think they're if. I I mean I've heard people compare it, but like you can smoke uh, cannabis where you can smoke tobacco or whatever, but also like you're you can't drink in public. That's true. So, I've heard people compare it to both of those, but I don't know what the actual rules are, what they follow. Right. I know that's the case here as well. No drinking in public, obviously, but they're working to sort of loosen those restrictions. So they're making, last summer they had four plazas in downtown Vancouver where you could drink openly in public there. Um, And this year they've authorized a place in the downtown east side, which is sort of the, that's where I live, and that's where uh, a lot of uh, drug users sort of gather and live. And so they've authorized a public drinking area there to sort of help uh, uh, alcoholics, because one of you know one of the primary reasons people turn to drugs is isolation, and so by getting them a space where they can drink openly and be around other people who are drinking, and also it's close to like some sort of help center, so that they can actually be near a help source, has been one of the things. And then of course the Vancouver Park Board is trying to uh, authorize like twenty some odd parks for public drinking. So we're kind of we're kind of loosening up and becoming more European, at least here in Vancouver. I, they, I wonder if they're doing the same stuff in Calgary. I heard we someone was looking into it. I, I don't remember if it's provincial or municipal. So okay. I don't know if it's like in parks, like provincial parks or what. I, I, I remember hearing something, but I don't know. Right. That's the trouble we ran into here. The park, Parks Board tried to do it last year, but since it was a, a provincial ruling that prevented drinking in public and the Parks Board was not it doesn't have the authority to to change that ruling on a municipal level because they're technically like not a municipal body. It's a lot of weird like government loopholes. So the provincial government had to get together, and I think they're now putting forward a motion to allow specifically the Vancouver Parks Board to have the authority to change that regulation in parks. It's a whole fucking process. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like there's layers. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. We're not here to talk about drinking in parks, although this, this is probably a great song to drink to in a park. We're here to talk about white snakes. Here I go again. Here I go again. Alex, a classic, and this—I mean, this song—the the version we all know and love—is a is a cover of its own self. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the re-recorded version from '87, which of course I never knew about the original. It wasn't the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I didn't check out like the single version. The radio version versus the album version, but I'm pretty sure the album version is the one I've always known because it has the intro. Yeah, and, and that I think intro I've is always definitive. Known the intro. Uh, yeah. But I'm not really sure what the difference is. I wish I had checked it out. It's really just like cut straight to the like to where it's actual kind of like power rock chords going on, right um, into the chorus, eh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I. Because I think I've always known this song, and I think I've known it with the introduction, except I thought it was, like, Tom Cochran or something. Like, I didn't know who sang it for the longest mm-hmm. time, and I just assumed, like, someone with, like, a vaguely gruffish voice. But I didn't know who Whitesnake were until... Yeah. I think this this was in Rock Band, and that was where I actually learned that. 
That's right. Yeah, that's where I like learned about White Snake, and it wasn't until this week I I learned they were British. I knew. I think I knew that because I read the Heroin Diaries, and there was a brief period oh, okay. where, um, Motley Crue crossed. Like they they joined each other on tour briefly, and I know they were like Nikki Six was complaining or something because White Snake wouldn't party with them because they were just like very. They were focused, I guess, on their music or whatever, and they didn't want to go crazy. Yeah, well, I depending on when they toured together, I think Motley Crue is more late 80s. I think it would have right? been mid-80s. Mid-80s. This was so like yeah, girls, girls, girls time, and I like, forget. Yeah, so in 81, like uh, the guitarist Mickey Moody was talking, he's like, yeah, we were out partying and stuff, but also there was there was no money coming in. 86, 87. And, uh, like we were mad in debt. They're two hundred thousand pounds in debt, despite playing big ass shows and and which is something you hear about a lot as well. Like in in especially in that era with these huge bands. That I don't know what happened with them, but like you'll hear like there's a manager who's like questionably managing the money. I know David Bowie mm-hmm. had that problem. He's like, oh, look, I'm doing yeah. these shows. You know, I'm I'm selling albums and where's all the money? And then he had a whole like contractual break. With uh, with one of his, I think managers, or could have been an agent, but I think it was a manager. Yeah, he did seem to have some pretty tumultuous relationships with a couple of managers. Um, and that that seems to be part of what was at play here. Their original manager was uh the manager for Deep Purple, who uh David Coverdale was the lead singer for for I think five years in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And, um, shit, what was I going to say about this? Yeah, just, I think maybe that, like, sort of money scare in the, the their early days as White Snake probably carried into their philosophy later on, being like, we gotta, we gotta play it straight, focus on this, make money, and, <laughs> and not be in debt for our jobs. Yeah, I guess that might, um, be a reason you would listen to the, to the label when they say, hey, re-record this song, but more modern or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I guess if that influenced the song the song is very much about like talked about how his, his divorce also influenced it but it's kind of generally about like striking out on your own so if mm-hmm. you're leaving a manager thematically it's kind of similar to leaving a, a relationship and being yeah it really seemed like a lot of things thing. were falling off for Coverdale at this point I mean of course his his divorce was a couple of years behind him but his band was falling apart, and I, I, yeah, I think he was thinking about leaving his manager. So, uh, yeah, that, that it does come off as a more general, just like here I go doing doing the solo thing. Because it really, this song to me has always just felt like a pump up jam. It really, yeah, it's very like triumphant. Ultimately, it's mm-hmm. very very much paints it as a good. I'm, I mean, maybe we should talk about the lyrics. A yeah, more let's specific. get into it. Because we're going to do it regardless. Yeah. So it starts out, uh, verse one here, he says, I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises and songs of yesterday, and I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. Let's talk about that bit. Um, I d- that line, hanging on the promises and songs of yesterday, that's, like, that's a good line. That's one that sticks with you, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, it sounds really cool. The way I would read it is we talk about songs, obviously, as, an, as like an expression of yourself. So the promises in the songs is kind of an expression of who you are, really. So I would say it's 
introducing an idea of of being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, first, yeah, don't know where he's going. Uh, we talked. Was that last week that we talked about trolls moving backwards through time? Yes, I believe that was. Yeah, because you can't see where you're going. You, can't you can see only it. see where yeah. you're coming from. So you're walking through time backwards. Yeah, so he's acknowledging walking through uncertainty, but he's doing so having a firm grasp of his past. And who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing it because he knows he needs to move on. Like, after that, I made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time. Like, not moving on would be a waste of time. So the, the actual, it's not like he's wandering lost. Yeah. You're right. Just because he he does not know where he's going does not mean he he's lost. Mm-hmm. He's he's striking out with a purpose. Now, with the the hang on the promises and songs of yesterday, do you think he is acknowledging that he has to let those go to move forward? Is that the idea there? Because he's made up his mind. He's not wasting time with these promises that perhaps he, never came through. He was hanging on to the promises, but he's not. Yeah, I don't know. He says he's hanging on the promises. Yeah, I, based on based on what I said. I don't think there's a reason to let go because if, if it is in fact referring to like his own identity, like there's no reason for him to uh, loot, abandon his identity. Um, but if it is like the just promises he made maybe to people uh, that are no longer around him, then yeah, maybe he, he doesn't need to fulfill those anymore because yeah. he's moving on. It, and it depends on how strongly that line is linked to, but I sure know where I've been. Is he saying, because is it, I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been supposed to be its own, like, just couplet? Or is he then elaborating on where he's been, which is he's been hanging on the promises of the songs of yesterday. This is where and I've been. he doesn't want to waste any more time. Yeah. And, and I've decided on I'm not wasting how, time. How you combine the lines. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he sounds very confident. He's very, like, he's strong in his conviction. So, mm-hmm. even if it isn't referring to identity specifically, I think uh, that that is true of him regardless. Yeah, and maybe he is, it is him hanging on to these promises that's part of what's giving him the, the urge to go forward. He's, as we move into the, the latter half of this verse, he says, though I keep searching for an answer, I never seem to find what I'm looking for. Oh, Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on. Um, so maybe those promises are part of what's guiding him towards this unknown future. Yeah. Another thing, I mean, just to bring it back to David Coverdale specifically, mm-hmm. that kind of surprised me about this song. Um, so often we talk about rock and roll bands and they are like early works of a young person and they wrote it when they were like 20 or something. Right. But this is written by a guy who's already been in other bands that have fallen apart already mm-hmm. experienced. And even like when he wrote it, it was like the third white snake album or third. Fifth. Um, is there fifth yeah. white snake album? And then this re recording was on the seventh. So like it's coming from a place of experience. It's not like some of our other ones where it's like a young person looking out over their life. Not that he was like old when he wrote this, but he had already gone through um, a lot. Yeah, he's, a, he's literally a divorced dad at this point. Like, yeah. this is divorced dad rock. 
from the source. Yeah, and exactly. So, so yeah, it's not. You're right. This is not technically a young man song, although I think it it holds a, a universal like truth of looking back on your past and deciding to strike forward. Yeah, it really has a way can. of appealing to that demographic too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people can resonate with that. But you're right; it does come from a place of experience, and he's he's looking more inwards than sort of looking at uh, like sort of younger ones will sort of look at the world. We talked about locomotive breath mm-hmm. and how he's like, oh, the world is at at odds against me. But uh, this is a man who said, oh, okay, I don't know, like I know the future is uncertain. I know a bit about myself, and I'm going to use that and a bit of faith because I he's talking to God to yeah. to carry me to something. Yeah, it ends with that. How far have we actually gotten reading the lyrics here? I don't remember. I've taken us to uh, at the end of the first verse here. Oh, Lord, I pray okay. you give me strength to carry on. Um, yeah, the end, where it's just like um, he's turning to like the divine. There's, yeah, mm-hmm. Like you said, there is some faith. Because there's some uncertainty, but he still knows he needs to do it. Yeah. And, that's, and even with that line, like this song doesn't strike me as religious. It's a... Uh, no. It's the, like that could be, and it's maybe it's just because in my own life I I've used religious terms in a, a secular way, but like yeah, oh Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on. It's just like maybe some divine force has got to help me out, right? Yeah, I've like I've even caught myself doing this where like maybe it's just a reaction that was trained into me uh, from a young age, being brought up in religion, where it's like something will happen or you want something to happen, you're like. Please God, let this happen. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the fuck am I talking? I'm not to religious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just like yeah, that... it's become this general phrase of like, I want this to happen. I really want this to happen, even if you don't have a belief that there is a God necessarily that will help you. Mm-hmm. That's how how yeah how invested you are in this. You're like, come on, give me yeah. any force out there. Oh Might Lord. as well, while I'm at Might it. Might as well. Throw a yeah. prayer. Exactly. And that brings us to the pre-chorus, because I know what it means to walk along the lonely street of dreams. Again, there's some experience there. He, he doesn't yeah, he's been around. To, yeah. He doesn't want to waste his time, because he knows that it's not worth wasting. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's familiar. I guess the lonely street of dreams is the, you know the hardship of ambition. He's looking for something. He knows that it can be lonely out there, and tough. But and he's he's been there before. So I mean, here I go again. He's the 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 alternate title is back on my bullshit, right? <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the things that I've done before, but now I'm a little older, a little wiser, and I have a clear. I mean, really, his one thing is he's got a clear idea of him his himself and his past. Yeah, he's learned more. At the very least, he's confident about it. Of course, he could always mm-hmm. be wrong, but this song doesn't really go into that. Yeah. Now, Alex, do you think the lonely street of dreams leads onto the uh, boulevard of broken dreams? It like it kind of turns off onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can follow the lonely street onto the boulevard. I'm trying to remember if there's a rule about where boulevards can be, because I know like we do avenues are east west and streets are north south. Okay. Yeah. I think I think boulevards just have. I thought boulevards had to have a thing in the middle, and that was the boulevard. But I swear oh, I've been on boulevards that don't have a thing in the middle. That's I don't a know. boulevard. For some reason, my Google Maps speaks with a French accent these days. Okay. So it says boulevard. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't do that. I don't know why it does that. 
So a boulevard, according to Wikipedia, is a type of large road circumnavigating the central city following the line of old or former city walls. Um, it's because, yeah, boulevard means, I guess, bastion in French. Huh. Boulevard. So, yeah, yeah. In American usage, it often means a wide, multi-lane arterial thoroughfare, often divided with a central median. So you're not off. Yeah, that, I either. always thought that that was the boulevard, the thing mm-hmm. in the middle. But perhaps with side streets along each side designed as slow travel and parking lanes and for bicycles. So it's it's sort of like a large um, road, I guess, that follows perhaps not your straight routes like your your avenues and streets. So it could, but rather okay got a little bit of roundness to it. A little round? Yeah, okay. Anyway, a little off topic, but (laughs) trivia for you there. Trivia Um, for you. Where are we? The chorus. Here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone, and I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. Get that line in there again. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, another little bit of trivia. Uh, The original line when he wrote the song was Drifter, and then for the original recording, he changed it to Hobo. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it back to Drifter. I once heard they changed it back to Drifter because when they said Hobo, it sounded too much like Homo, and they were like, we don't yeah. want to do that. That's what I've read as well. I don't remember where I read it, though, because I didn't find it again this week. I did find it this week. I can't remember where, but I do have it in the notes. Um, it is interesting because I think... Uh, I think, yeah, one changing it to Drifter just in general sounds way better. Yeah, it does sound uh, better. Possibly just because it's the first one I ever heard, but it, mm-hmm. it flows better. And to, to bring this back to, to cannabis, weirdly enough, there is a chain of cannabis stores in Canada. There's a few locations in Vancouver, and I think some in Calgary. Uh, the chain was originally called Hobo Cannabis, and uh, was met with a lot of backlash from people. Because it's, uh, you know, one, it's it's not like it was built for homeless populations. There are actual cannabis companies out here who are more for helping people on the streets. I live just across from one. It was, so it's like this weird co-opting of a term for a, a sort of bougie establishment. And the backlash was so much, they did end up changing their name this last year, I think. They, they now have changed it to Dutch Love. Oh, so Not Drifter. It, yeah, not Drifter. Not <laughs> Drifter Cannabis. But I think it would be weird to have this song in the current day with the, like a hobo, I was born to walk alone. I, I, I think this song might be looked at a little differently if that line had stuck. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like I agree, but it's hard to say because obviously it's not that way. But for mm-hmm. me, hobo, the word, uh, conjures a specific image and mm-hmm. it's kind of a dated image. Uh, yeah, whereas Drifter, with yeah, the bindle, right? <laughs> yeah, where and like the top hat with the top popped up, yeah, with the top popped off, yeah, um, it's very specific where, to that. Whereas Drifter is well. just like is more vague, and it kind of fits because this the song doesn't tell a specific story. It's it's more of just like expressing his attitude at a time. Yeah, in his life. and I think you can be a drifter without being destitute. You know? Yeah, I think so. It's a little more of that like mid 20th century like americana um myth you know like yeah. the, like the jack kerouac on the road kind of deal yeah 100% 
So yeah, it sounds a little more romantic to be like, well, like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Yeah. Rather than be like, well, like a hobo, I gotta go from town to town looking for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like cooking beans on a fire. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, you know, not not having a good time. Yeah. Um, and then so <laughs> he's on his own. Uh and he says it's the only road I've ever known. Um, it's a lonely street. The only one. No, that's a different street. Um, <laughs> kind of an interesting way to say it. It's like this has been his life. You know, he he's not actually changing anything necessarily. He's just kind of like yeah. pushing on, and and he just has enough experience to know like this is how it, life is. Yeah. Because it's not like he, he says, oh, I was on a different road, and now I'm back on this road. It's yeah. almost just like he took a pit stop on the road, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've got to keep moving. Like, here I go again. I've, I've sat, I've done my, my time here, and now it's back on the road, the only one I've ever known. Of life. Yeah. That's right. And then we repeat, I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. Yeah, he's, he's serious, and he knows this is a good thing. And then we come to, it's interesting, because in verse 2, we, he, it's almost very different from where it starts because a lot of confidence in the first verse and the chorus the pre-chorus he's like i'm i'm going to something different i've got the confidence to do it um i'm gonna need a little help from the lord if that's a thing that can happen but here i go again and then verse two we open up i'm just another heart in need of rescue waiting on love's sweet charity and i'm gonna hold on for the rest of my days yeah there's a vulnerable side also much shorter than the first verse Mm mm-hmm it is, um, might not actually be short. It could, see, I was also reading this. I thought it might be three verses. Mm, because the, right, like, the first two, the first verse kind of has two sets of three lines. And then the second verse is three lines. And they also change the instrumentations pretty significantly between, or like there's a change between the first e- the halves of yeah. the first verse. So it's almost like three verses, but I, I don't know if I want to call it that. Well, the, you're, and I've made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time, is used as a transition both at the end of the chorus and the, uh, I'd say mid that first verse. Yeah. So in a sense, you're right. It is at least, I would, say, I would argue the first verse is at least two verses with a, like, like a break between. Mm-hmm. Making so, this verse three. In this verse, anyway. Uh, like you said, let, so this is more like passive. He literally says mm-hmm. he's waiting, and for the rest of the song, he's been saying that um, that he needs to move. So it is kind of a switch. Yeah. Um, but I, I would wonder, something that I've heard a lot more lately, um, the idea of like needing to be okay with yourself. Right. Um, where I, I, would, I would tie that to this, in that he's sort of basing this around like a divorce like that's one of the influences um but kind of saying like he would go on with his life and won't necessarily and won't wait for the another person but would still like look out yeah while he's he not moves. he's not closed off to to being with uh, another person or to experiencing love again yeah. He acknowledges that in some way that like people are meant to be together and he's like, "Well, I'm in a sense I am just waiting on that opportunity, but and I will hold out for it. Like I'm never going to stop being open to that, but I have to keep 
moving forward. Like I can't just stop and, and be sad about it. I have to write two songs about my divorce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, then that's, that's paired. They do. Cause I know what it means to walk along the lonely street of dreams again for the pre-chorus. Um, again, he knows how tough it is to be alone. It's, it, all of this stems from his, him being experienced. He's like, well, I'm going to keep holding out for love, but I'm also going to keep moving forward. And, like, really, that's... Is that the rest of the lyrics? I don't think there's any more new lyrics. Um, yeah, I, we talked about Foster the People's pumped-up kicks and how many goddamn choruses there are in that. <laughs> but, like, holy shit, there's a lot of chorus in... <laughs> In this song, this is also um, this is like an '80s power ballad, which mm -hmm. like you gotta end with like a hundred choruses. Actually, I think there's three. There's but there's uh, several. Just, yeah, there's five repetitions of the chorus. Plus, you get a pre-chorus every time. Yeah. So like pretty comparable to Foster the People. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, like we've said, like this song is about being pumped up about getting on with your life, and that's what the pre-chorus and chorus delivers. It really does. I mean, it it feels so universal because I think everyone has had moments in their life where they're like, what am I even doing here? Like, why am I not pushing towards something different, something better, something greater? Mm -hmm. It's it's a very relatable song, I think, for a lot of people, especially like it's it's as much a midlife crisis song as it is a song about, like we said, like a young person emerging into the world. It it doesn't totally fit with the young person emerging into the world the first time for the first time, but I think if you like just go with the chorus, you can really get that angle as well. Yeah, it's one of those like pretty universally applicable songs. Yeah, because ultimately it's just a song about trusting yourself and trusting being alone with yourself, right? <clears throat> Which everybody is alone with themselves to some extent whether they're young or old or somewhere in between, like we all have experience being alone and being lonely. Yeah. And so this is just saying like, well, Hey, trust that you're all right. And fucking go again on your own. You've always been alone. Ah, yes. I guess that's another uh, way to look at the um, only road that I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Cause in many ways being alone is the only way you can be. Ultimately, I, it's kind of a depressing uh, thing to add, but yeah. But I, I, again, this song is saying that that's not depressing. It's true because you know, yeah. even even as other people drift into your life and things happen, you've always been down that road. You know this, so be confident in that. And and I'd admit that there can be hardships, but it can also it's also your path to walk. Yeah, and just play a guitar solo. It'll be very cool. Yeah, and play a ripping guitar solo. Let's talk about the instrumentation, Alex. Let's do that. Um, so yeah, big synthy uh, like piano energy off yeah. the bat here. Yeah, it's like I mean, slow it down for the ballad, you know, for the intro. There's like a synth sound. There's a piano, like you said. There's I think a harpsichord in there too. Yes. Um, there's a few moments where they play the like low notes on the piano. And I've talked about that a couple times in the last couple weeks, where you just like hit the like you really feel the resonance on the the low yeah. frequencies. Yeah, that is definitely present here. Yeah, just some dun, dun. Yeah, and like there's there's like a quick run that between um in the I you might even call it a refrain 
that I've made up my mind I ain't wasting no more time. Yeah. Um, where I, I you know, I made up my mind. Ba ba ba. Ba ba Yeah. I ain't wasting no more time. So yeah. Yeah. Low, but there's you know other stuff going on too. There's the higher frequencies as well, which I guess is mostly the singing. Yeah. So it well, is no, very. there's the high. High synthesizer. Yeah. High synthesizer. Kind yeah, you got it's very full and it's very, but it's of course very slow as well because you got that ballad energy. And uh, David Coverdale himself has an incredible voice. Yeah, especially for like this kind of thing. Oh yeah, to the point that it's very shocking to hear. We're of course talking about the 1987 recording here. Yeah, and yeah. not the original 1982, which is sort of more blues rock and much more more mellow than this. Yeah, which I guess makes sense because he had. F- was closer to um deep purple yeah at the time but uh and it was still the early 80s so we didn't have these this like trend of huge power ballads yet necessarily as far as i know mm-hmm. I don't think. um but yeah it, it fits well yeah this fits so naturally that yeah for for us people of the aftermath like coming back and hearing yeah. it's like what the fuck yeah like it does sound weird it like the original sounds much like thinner in some mm-hmm. strange ways, and this is such a, like a, just such a big song. Yeah, it feels like a missed opportunity, but then they they uh, captured it five years later. Yeah, five years later, with a with a mostly different band too. Yeah, I guess so. Um, the so and then once he starts singing, everything stays the same, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like this this intro lasts through. The first verse and then the pre-chorus. That's and right. what you might call the second verse if you're me. Yeah, if you're feeling cheeky. Yeah, so you do the verse refrain verse. And then of course he, he really gives the uh the sensitive part of this performance on the the end of that verse. Oh Lord, I pray you give us strength oh, yeah. to carry on. He's really giving it there. Absolutely. Yeah. He's just he's pushing on that one. Cause I know what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really, he really picks it up for there, and then it really, it leads into the chorus. The chorus, the tra- like the transition. It's it's quite a transition. It's like it's so simple, but it just crashes in. Yeah, it's, it's these, like, yeah, like groups of these two groups of three notes. But it's it's the drums and the guitar, and they're playing together, and just everything. Does that? Yeah, and, it, and just followed up by other. that. Yeah, that vocal performance it just punches right through. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the quickest amp ups I think we we've seen in a song. It's just so quick, and then we're in the chorus, which just rips. Yeah, I mean it's just this like a triumphant thing, um, and he's you know he's he's moving on. Um, yeah. The another thing the guitar well I mean it does the da na na da na na. And then it switches to groups of two notes instead of three after that. I don't know if that means anything, but that's like dan out, dan out, dan out, dan out. Yeah, big chords too. These like huge power chords, I assume. Yeah, I um, assume as well. It is like it turns from this very like well orchestrated pattern synth composition to just big dumb power rock. Yeah, and and it it but, works like a hundred but it's it's big though like it's really big it's huge um, and like the snare like like listen to the drums the drums are oh yeah massive everything is just massive in this song massive 
um i think the vocals become double tracked as well for the chorus yes i think so on the here i go again on my own yeah it's 100 percent. so yeah double it's tracked. huge huge chorus but that's how you do a power ballad really you kind yeah. of have a huge chorus um as far as i know yeah, and then back on that refrain, I made up my mind. It goes down like a little bit. It's I made yeah, up my it's mind. Like, he's like catching. He's like almost like reassuring himself a little bit, and then he's like, "Yeah, yeah. It, I did it." Yeah, the first half is the outward confidence, and then the second half is like the sort of silent, more inwards one, where he's like, "Yeah, oh, you know, like, I've made up my mind." And then into the. The verse. Actually, there's another riff too in that I've made up my mind. It's like kind of a smoother guitar riff. Uh in that part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then that leads into the second verse. Um or the yeah. third verse, depending on how you're reading it. How you want to cut it, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, uh so the keys that come back for this. So it's similar mm-hmm. to the intro part. Um, but it is, the guitar is still around. There's still, the guitar sticks around. Yeah. And then there's this very simple driving bass. Yeah. The bass is pretty, pretty simple. This was definitely a time where bass was like, not as, uh, prominent, I think. Yeah, this like is it where was we there, to see it get, get relegated to simplicity or yeah, doubling the guitar. Was, this is sort of that simple. era. Before it does its job here, it it keeps the energy up and keeps. Or at the least this going. is the type of music. I don't know when the Red Hot Chili Peppers emerged, but it was not much long after this. If it if they weren't around yet. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that the Red Hot Chili Peppers were like the progenitors of um wild bass lines i'm just saying they're one example i know of from around that era that has some less conventional bass right that's all i'm saying not trying to say anything anything crazy about the history of the bass guitar and rock and roll or something like that all right alex <laughs> i still want to misrepresent myself uh, i'm gonna cut that part out so everybody gets mad at you Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no we got to uh, generate some heat on this show. Right, yeah, we need some controversy. Uh, Flea is the yeah, only bass player. That's true, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Flea and Coco the Gorilla, who I think has passed. <laughs> yeah, only bass players uh, to ever live. Yeah. If you think about it, it makes sense. So, so um, there's another pre-chorus. I think it's the same. Yeah. Um... The next big change is at the end of the second chorus, right? Second chorus. Why don't um, you tell he, me what that is real the, quick? Where he does the really big and I've made up my mind. Oh, yeah. And then it goes into the, into the bridge. Mm-hmm. The bridge. Yes, the bridge is very interesting because it's, it like, there's some tension here, you know? This is where mm-hmm. there, there's some turmoil in this part. But he's still like... He's almost like he's fighting his own like nature to to not um go again, you know? Yeah. It's like but he's like he's he's reaffirming it. He's saying here I go again, but like there's some there's some tension there. 
Yeah, and then and then he breaks out into a guitar solo. Well, he he's not yeah. playing the guitar, but there is a guitar. After solo. this this peak falsetto. Oh, that's Here true. I yeah. Um, also, I'm pretty sure it's not a middle eight technically because it does go from a chorus and then into a, a guitar solo afterwards and then the pre-chorus. But right. it is eight bars long. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Um. And then breaks into that guitar solo, um, which this is one of those guitar solos where it's basically a verse, but they didn't put words in. They put a guitar solo instead, which yeah. seems to happen fairly often, actually. But that's what this is. Um, I also like right at the end, it does some like quick shredding right before he goes into the pre-chorus afterwards. Oh, the yeah. Come back. Just like Almost follows his own kind of vocal pattern where he starts out with a big and then he goes high and, and shredding. Yeah. But at the yeah. end of that at the end of that bridge. That's a pretty that's a high one. Yeah. And then back to the chorus. Um we're at like three and a half minutes here, and it's basically a minute of just just rip it energy he, go, he goes up higher at a few points um we start a fade out at about four minutes and 20 seconds yeah in. they do three choruses here and i think the third chorus fades out yeah oh yeah this is all just like icing on the cake they've sold you and now you just get to yeah we're we're get, going man get some of that dopamine we're going we're going again at this point at the, yeah, we we're going again, and we're about to go again, again, again. Just just keep going, man. Just keep going. That's what we're doing. Uh, that's what's happening here, and that's uh, yeah. that's what just happened. And that's the song. And that's the song. And like, it is a fade out, which sometimes we dunk on on this show. But like, uh, yeah. how else could you end this song? I don't know. Some like it's such a you gotta like relax. It's like when you when you go for a run, you gotta walk a bit afterwards. Yeah. So your legs don't cramp up. It's like that. Like it's, it's like that. So you just got. You, you need, just got to like. Yeah. Turn you just got. You got to cool down before whatever comes next. That's right. That's yeah. That's this song, and it's again. It's it's it sounds so much like American music to me. Which. That's <laughs> I, that's I mean, probably I, why I thought it was like I always thought this song. Like I said, uh, Tom Cochran was the example I gave, but it it sounds almost like like a little of that like blue collar. Americana thing. Mm-hmm. And I also brought up Jack Kerouac, which is like a very American thing. So it, it feels American, doesn't it? It does. And it did better in America and Canada than it did in the UK, although it still did very well in the UK. But yeah, there seems to be something about it that resonates in North America. Talking about roads, uh, man. We've got roads. They've got roads, yeah, but it's, roads. it's different. I think I I'm told it's different because things are there's so much it's so much denser. Yeah. In, in like in the UK. Right. Yeah. North America has a lot of sprawl to it. Versus and like here, the it's idea like, of yeah. the, the Great American Road Trip. Yeah, you so drive for prominent. hours and hours, and it's yeah. just like prairies or wilderness generally around you. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, it is just like a stretch of flatness. You're like, Man. well, here I. You am. drive for two and a half hours in the prairies. As they slowly turn into foothills, and then suddenly you're in the mountains for a mo- couple more hours, and then the trees everywhere. It's just describing a road trip. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. It's been so long since I've been on a road trip. It's probably been oh. just over a year. 
Yeah, I guess that um, would have been yeah. like just over a year. Because you drove, you drove to see us. Yeah, and, uh, an old Kimberly. Right before slash at the same time as COVID. Mm-hmm. You brought you brought COVID from the east. That's right. <laughs> brought it along with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's this song. Um, to briefly touch on the 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 original the eighty two recording, which honestly sounds more British to me a bit but also just more blues rock. Um, like you said, a bit thinner, a bit less energy on it. Just a bit, almost like a demo, a little unrefined. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the feeling it has to it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about some music videos. We'll briefly touch on the fact that there is a music video for the 82 version. Yeah. It's really just, just the band playing music band on stage, playing. right? Like, I don't... Yeah. And, like, I would say this performance is maybe a little more convincing than the one in the 87 music video um just because mm-hmm. i don't know sometimes he sings and like the camera's close up on his face but it doesn't look like his mouth's open wide enough i don't know right. if that's just my own instincts being wrong but i i feel that about a lot of miming singing because obviously he's not singing it yeah it is interesting because in in 87 we're probably at the peak of hair metal as well right yeah as far as Which i know is which I think influences both how he looks and how they're shooting it as well. It's very big. Like he, he lifts the fucking mic stand at one point, doesn't he? And does like a, yeah, a big pretending to howl into it kind of thing. He does. He does that. But yeah. so the 87 music video, it has a different aesthetic. Definitely. Um, like you said, more on the hair metal side of things. Um, but and and it is a lot of it is similar in that it's them performing on stage. Mm-hmm. But it is also intercut with shots of this model. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't you said Kite. I wasn't sure how to pronounce her last name because I thought maybe it was supposed to be Tawny Kitten. It, I mean maybe I like really just looked at the AE and gave it gave it my best. Yeah, AE is a, a little dicey because I've also like. I thought AE was like an E sound, like an encyclopedia or yeah, demon. Or, yeah, because you usually but, see... Okay, hang on. Yeah, but like... <laughs> According, if you, if you put in Tawny Katane pronunciation into uh, Google, it has a, a machine that will tell you it and okay. play it for you. And, and Tawny is the nickname, so I thought maybe if her last name sounded like Kitten, that she might be called Tawny as a nickname. As kind of Right, like and yeah, what is Tawny... Is Tawny a color? I, I, I've heard it more in reference to owls. Okay. It might be a, a texture or a color. Uh, yeah, maybe people did call her Tawny Kitten. I it's don't a know, color. But it's a color. Yeah, I think I've heard. It is a color. Usually I hear it in terms of owls, but I've also just read uh, The Witcher uh, saga, and there's a, a character in that who goes by... You're a witcher, Harry. Ta- Tawny Owl. <laughs> okay. So I yeah. have that on my mind. That's fair. Um, but yeah, according to this Google pronunciation, I did get it right. Tawny Katane. Katane? Yeah, Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane. All right. Um, glad we cleared that up. So she's in a couple different roles. One, she's dancing uh, between, like, on the hoods of two cars. The two Jaguars XJ. Oh, that's, a, that's a nice car. That is a nice car. I always see old um, cars, though, and I'm like, that's not a nice car. But it's just, it looks old. Yeah. But it's still, it was a nice car back then. It's just, it looks like boxy and weird now. That's so, true. I'm not good at identifying 
nice old cars all the time. Unless it, if it's a convertible, I usually be like, yeah, that's probably a nice car. You're like, yeah, but that's like, that's like a cheat. Nice. Um, it's a tra- it's basically a transformer, so it's got to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, and that fucking rocks. Um, her, uh, I guess, dance is famously unchoreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly they got Paula Abdul in to choreograph something and she's like, I have nothing to teach you or something like that. Yeah, she said I can't show her anything. She, and I think like she meant that in a positive way. Yeah. She's like, she's too good. I, I can't like help her because she can already perfectly express herself through movement. Yeah, she's already got it. That sounds like the kind of shit Paula Abdul would get up to. She's a pretty easy critic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... We'll talk about American Idol a little bit more later. <laughs> um, so that's part of it. And then it also shows uh, Tawny with, um, fuck, I forgot his name now. David Coverdale. David Coverdale driving. And he's wearing this driving. like light blue suit. I yeah. just wanted to point that out. It feels very like American prom night. Yeah. It, it's, not, it, it's not a powder blue suit, but it reminds me of a powder blue suit. Yeah. By American Prom Night, I mean, I, I guess just the band from Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think... That's what I mean. <laughs> is that... Does he wear something like that in um, Napoleon Dynamite? Is that the suit? Because he's a suit uh, in Napoleon Dynamite. Shit, I'm not sure. Napoleon is it, Dynamite. Is it blue? No, it's brown. I don't know. I thought it was blue for some reason. Oh, no. Someone wears a blue suit, I swear. It's a brown one. It's brown as shit. All right, I swear there's a blue suit in there somewhere, but I might be con- confusing it with something else. Um, so yeah, those are the three elements in the in the video. Really, it does a lot of cutting between them. But what I was gonna say about the um, the dance, I feel like it's supposedly this amazing dance. You don't actually get to see a lot of her dancing on the car. It cuts so much. Yeah, it cuts so much. You barely get these shots of her. You barely get any of the shots, really. Yeah, really, it goes so quickly between close-ups of people to them driving to her on these cars for a bit. And of course, there's smoke as well. Like, there's smoke machines going on while she's on the cars. <laughs> yeah. So it's even further obscured. And maybe that's part of it. Like, it's spo- I think it's supposed to be flashes of his life. Because he's talking about, here I go again on my own. But all the shots are of him with somebody. I think that's supposed to be his past. Yeah. That's, and we do see yeah. um, a single shot. Because there's her on top of the two cars, and then there is a shot of the white Jag, like, just driving on its own. Oh, so that's, like, them separating? That's them separating, yeah. Mm. Which they, after this, got together and then separated. That's right. So he was dating Tawny at the time, and they were looking for, like, the quote-unquote white snake girl to be in their, their music videos and stuff. And he went to, I think his, his like the label uh, boss or somebody's house for dinner, and he brought Tawny along. And they were like, "That's the fucking white snake girl." And he's like, "No, that's I'm dating her." And she's like, "No, I'll do it." And so then she became the white snake girl. The white snake girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the end of the video, when they're driving, she pull, she straight up pulls him away from the wheel to make yeah, out very, the very back. dangerous, very dangerous. And driving. you can see they're on a on highway. The There's cars on the, in the fr- back. Yep, they're on the freeway. <laughs> Busy too, and he is not looking at the road. Yeah, not looking at the road. I'm pretty Very sure his dangerous. hands are off the wheel, and it's not a Tesla, so it can't even pretend to drive itself. It's <laughs> no, no. This is 1987. That's um, right. Nothing of the sort. 
Um, also, there's a lot. A few times she's like sitting on the window, like outside of the That's car, right. like torso yeah. out of the car. Yeah. The only time I've seen somebody do that is when Steven Reynolds was trying to pee out of a, a moving vehicle. Did that work? Because I know he tried to spit out of my car one time, and that just came right back. <laughs> no, he got too scared, I think, once he realized how much of his body needed to be out to get his, his, his wang out there. I was holding his legs. I was, I was ready to help him catch him. Yeah. But yeah, he, he did not go through with it, which I think was a wise decision. That's probably a good idea. I'm glad we live in the, uh, the universe where he didn't do that. Yeah. Plus, he probably would have got pissed on Kalen's car, and that would have been just <laughs> fucking terrible. That, yeah, almost definitely would have happened. Something to do with air currents. Yeah. So that's yeah, the kind that's of thing. That's my experience with, yeah. with that. <laughs> that's the kind of thing this song will make you want to do. That's exactly what this song will make you want to do. Yeah, it's a real song's YOLO about pissing kind of out song. Of cars. That's right. Um, yeah, really, it's it's a very 80s vibe video, apparently very popular at the time. Looking back on it now, like, yeah, I kind of get it, but it also just yeah, looks like... Yeah, I, I really feel like if they had got the, the cuts down a little bit better and shown a little bit more of each thing at a time, that it, it would have flowed a bit better. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not an editor. Like, I could be totally wrong. That's just, that's just what my... And reaction. that may be how, like, actually unchoreographed Tawny's dance moves were is that you can reasonably play long cuts of it without it being completely desynchronized with the music and just looking out of touch. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. One of the downsides of her expressing herself perfectly is that her expression of herself may not have been quite um, to the beat. That's, yeah, exactly right. Um, and we do get the classic uh, rock and roller pout at some points in the video. You know, that, that purse lip look kind of kind of makes it look like Steve close Tyler. Up, close up on his face. Yeah. There is one shot, and I'm going to hold on, where he, like, makes a fist. What, yeah. it, go to 155. You'll see it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always remember that moment for some reason. Oh, yeah. Hand outstretched, turn into fist. That's a classic. Yeah, that's very a classic. classic. And he also says, hold on, as he makes a fist. Like, yeah, yeah. That's... How did that work mine. so well? <laughs> he's that's the music it. video. It's, it's a product of its time, but a famous one. Yeah. We got to start like, talking about some cover we versions do. unless you we got do. anything else to say. Uh, I do not. All right. Let's talk about Mandarina or Mandarina in 2004. Mandarina. I don't practice Mandarina. I don't got no uh, crystal ball. Um, Polish what? singer, dancer, and actress. Alex. Yeah. Uh, apparently this, this version was uh, a, a hit in Poland. Yeah, and later uh, uh, released to German-speaking countries after being remixed by Alex Conrad of Groove Coverage. Of course. Naturally. Um, and interestingly, every, like... I could only find it on Wiki on our Wikipedia page, and I tried looking it up, and it just linked me to like fake Wikipedia pages, basically other sites that just copy off Wikipedia and pretend that they've delivered that content to you. 
talking about in 2005 where she performed at a festival and it sparked a controversy because she sounded like absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah, I read that in the page too, which I, I couldn't find like footage or anything. Yeah, I couldn't find anything, couldn't find any like Polish articles being like, oh, mandolin, a bad singer. That's my <laughs> Polish accent. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that it's wrong. I don't know that it's wrong. And like listening to, I don't like her voice on this. I think it's fine for the genre. Um, of course, she's not. The big difference is she's not punching vocally like obviously the original. Does, no, it's not really she's... a vocal performance. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really a dance version. Like it's kind of that. Um, I mean, this is two thousand four, so it's kind of that like mid two thousands. Feels more early to me, but I guess the line isn't necessarily a clean one. Yeah, um, it's, like it's dance like... pop version where it's kind of like there's a. Um, what what oh, I would compare it to? Um, we talked about oh, what was it? Um, DJ Sammy. Yeah, uh, like a long time ago. Yeah, uh, like that kind of version where it's like, ago. um, some singer like there's a woman singing. You don't probably know who she is, uh, and then the DJ does beats. Yeah, and, you, and then there's like dance break section, and that's like the yeah. draw. And it has that. Yeah, Lots and you get your boots and cats on this. It's all of your standard tricks. Yep. Yeah, but it it stays somewhat true to the original. Uh, it bumps it up a bit. But, mm -hmm. like, we really don't get the full boots and cats until, I think, the chorus. It does have some, like, before that. So it adds some rhythm in in what I might call the second verse. Um but then once we get to the chorus, it's like big dance time. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. And like, Four on the like they do, like they rip through the lyrics on this. She's, she knocks she out goes. basically the intro in like 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, this is three minutes long and this, I think she covers all the words. Yeah. Not that there's necessarily that many words. Yeah. But she do, they do this chorus. Um, Oh, and add the synth like, but there's two of them. There's a low one and a high yeah. one going. Um, that's right. And then after the chorus, it goes into a synth riff, and that's like the yeah. dance section. And that sounds that sounds very much like your early 2000s, late 90s dance pop. Yeah. Like I could imagine them playing this in like when I was in elementary and like gym class while you're doing laps <laughs> yeah. or some shit. I like how that's our frame of reference. <laughs> <laughs> like in the club like no 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 no. gym class <laughs> yeah, gym class gym class when you're running for 30 minutes yeah but this is 100 percent what they would play in gym class yeah absolutely uh there's uh oh another thing she does so the the like here i go again on the end of the chorus doesn't happen mm -hmm. the first time they do the chorus yeah, it happens later, but they right. she does it every time. Not a big deal, just observation. So well, big. She does do it on the first chorus. Yeah, because I yeah. I mean I don't know that they recorded it twice, like uh, or yeah. or I don't know that they got two different good recordings. Um, so then uh, what else happens? Yeah, so that big synth riff. Uh, there's a little yeah. tom fill into the next section. 
Mm-hmm. And then the second verse or third verse, however you want to count it, is soft again, but just with some, some yeah, drums it's, it's like the, the first verses or the second verse. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> this makes it difficult if you don't number them properly. Yeah, our own distinction has fucked us up here. Um, it's the, with the, the drums. next big thing is on the pre-chorus on Street of Dreams. It goes dream. Yeah, that does the like ratcheting things. On the, yeah. on the like e. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dolphin now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we go back into back into the chorus. Interval yeah. synth back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another uh, synth bit, like a. So it's a lot of that. It's yeah, a, that, it's a lot of that. And then it dies out pretty quick. Like it does that big synth riff for like 30 seconds. It does die out pretty it, quick. And then it's it? just like, woo! And it's gone. <laughs> so, like, now Alex, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Very like d- 2000s poppy dance version. Mm-hmm. Kind of that style. And now, did you watch the music video? I did watch the music video. Let's talk about this music. Let's video. talk about the music video. Um, um, it's also very much a product of its time because it's about like skipping oh, yeah. class to go to the mall and dance. Yeah, and there's like passing notes and like, well, she's like way too old to be. In yeah, she does. One. She's not a convincing school student. Um, none yeah, of them one really of the dudes are. Has a soul patch, like they're old as shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they have like, like the th- one of them's got like a sleeve, like short sleeves, but like a sleeve on her arm. I don't know where you get that. It's just like a sleeve of fabric. It's like a long glove. Yeah. But it's fingerless. Like fucking Final Fantasy X characters. Yeah, I don't here. know what you call that. And like the the skirts, it's oh, it's, su- it's such a time capsule. It really is. Um, and then like there's a part where they're trying on clothes and they pop out of the dressing rooms in in groups. That's right. Uh, like I don't. It's the same three girls, I think, but like they f- switch the foot, flip the footage at one point, yeah, so it looks the like the they're footage. coming from the other side. Um. So that's a bit odd. There's also one, like, there's a lot of denim, too, which I, I was trying to figure, because I'm like, people still wear jeans. Why do I always notice denim? One, I think it's a bit lighter. Like, they kind of get the mm. acid wash thing in there. But I'm pretty sure that this time period was the last time that, like, jeans were the primary fashionable uh, leg wear for women. I don't know if that's mm. 100% true, but I think it might be. Because, like, we got yoga pants yeah. after that. That's right. And I don't know that, like, maybe we just diversified. There's not a single uh, leg wear type. I don't know. I'm not that yeah, into fashion. But yeah, there's I, something I, about this. It's, it's just so, uh, so of its time, mid-2000s. Right, because, like, all these women are wearing jeans. Everybody's wearing lots jeans. Lots of midriff. Lot of, lots of midriff. Um, that bandana she's wearing when she comes out of the school, too. That's at around, like, a minute. Yeah, that's the, also like, very '90s. The like really strong highlights and lowlights in the blonde hair. Yeah, it's all yeah. It's just all so indicative of its time period. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. this is a, a denim dress. Yes, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that is a denim. Don't dress see a lot there. of those. Now, what's driving me wild, Alex, is this. Um, no, yeah, that this basketball game. That's that's on a grass <laughs> court. Game? It's green. <laughs> it's green. It, it is a grass court. Or it it's, is grass. maybe it's, it might be astroturf. I wonder if you can dribble on astroturf better. Astroturf, maybe, because it, it does like they dribble it. It bounces. It's like there's no way you can play basketball just on like dirt. 
right? Dirt, yeah. It was like no way, right? Like it's too uneven. But astroturf would be even enough. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that I, I don't think it would be ideal, but yeah, that court. It is kind of. It's weird. First, they're like watching the guys play basketball, and they're all impressed, and then they just dance at them. Yeah, they like it's. What's that line in the in in American Pie? The as the players tried to take the field, the marching, marching band, band refused to yield. Yeah, yeah, it's an American <laughs> Pie reference. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. With their, the, I was trying to figure out if they were doing like a dance hook. Mm. Um, but it doesn't seem to be repetitive enough. Yeah, like the there's not like a dance move that you would copy. Pretty general. Yeah. And then we get them in a Mercedes Benz th- driving down a road with too many people in the car. Um, maybe the only similarity between this video and the 1987 original <laughs> is driving is <that>. dangerously. <laughs> driving dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> um also flip phones featured flip prominently. Phones. Yeah. Motorola. There there seems to be some inkling of a story here. Which is yeah, like she romance seems to be with into Soul Patch guy. Some guy and so like she tries to get him she like trying to go to the mall and she sits down beside him and he's just like, gotta read my textbook. Yeah. And then, um, what other notes did I have about this? There's a scene where he's like dancing up on her. I think after the the basketball fiasco, and just like smiling too much and looking at the camera for my tastes. And then they go back to the mall, and she sees him and pulls him off a chair, and they immediately do another dance break, and it's just like with everybody. She's like, "Come with me," and then they just. Yeah, that's what it is. He's like smiling a lot and dancing. It's just. Too much, and the 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 video ends abruptly with her closing the flip phone, which seems to like seem, seems like they thought that was smart, but I like don't I don't get it. I don't understand what it's supposed to signify. <laughs> Besides the end of the video, it means the story's over. Yeah, you'd think they would should maybe show something on the phone. He'd be like, "Yeah, totally, I'm coming over," but like in Polish or whatever. And then she closes the phone. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, some kind of conclusion. Yeah. If there was some conflict involving the phone where people are like, you can't get with Soul Patch Guy. He's in a Smash Mouth cover band. He's too good for you. (laughs) And then, like, turns out he's not too good. And then. Also, the song's called Here I Go Again. It's about going alone. And this whole video is about her hooking up with a dude. Here I go again. Hooking up with a dude. Hooking up with a dude. Yeah, so another one, much like the original, very much of the era, and perhaps lacking in some substance, but actually I think the original did a better job of having things more, at least closely related to the theme. Mm-hmm. With that, Alex, we're going to talk about Dan Maxwell and, and his band. And his band, yeah. In 2008. Here I go. I'll let you have that one. Uh, no, okay. Let's, we, we should have set that up beforehand. Um, so this is, he's a musician who likes cosmic American music. Alex, have you ever heard of cosmic American music? I have not heard of cosmic American music. I assume Neither it's about I. the moon because they went there. You would think so. It's this... actually just about blues, country, and rock and roll in, in one sparkling package. Yeah, it definitely has those things. 
particularly Damn. after we get to the midpoint of the first verse, which is to say the end of the first verse and possibly the beginning of the second or the beginning of the second half of the first verse. We've got to pick one way to say that. All Should right. we say it's three it's, verses? Let's say it's three verses. Okay, we're going to so say it's three verses. The, the second is, verse. Yeah. The second way verse. easier to describe it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so once we get to the second verse, it gets much more... Um, Country, like the electric guitar comes in, it's put like playing licks between lines, which is a technique that happens a lot, but it's, yeah. it's way more country at that point. Yeah, its tone is very country. Yeah, a little got a little, I guess, twang to it, but the sort of thing you'd hear in like that country rock style. Shit, just as much. Poland's calling me. <laughs> Get a call from Poland? <laughs> yeah, it's got a call from Poland. Because we were I talking missed. shit? It's like about Mandarina. <laughs> Hey man, heard you were talking shit. I wish I knew how to say that in Polish. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, back to this story. That was just very strange. Yeah, yeah. So, so it it starts out very like almost '90s sort of soft rock with the harmonica that comes in, acoustic guitar, and his acoustic guitar, and his voice is in that vein. It almost sounds like a Counting Crows song or something. But mm-hmm. then the, the the country elements start to bump in as you as you get to that second verse, like you said, the country guitar comes in. Um, there's some sparse piano beforehand. Yeah, piano like... comes in for a while. It's like mm-hmm. a, a, it's like an arpeggio, but it's it just plays it kind of in between. Um, it plays chords. Yeah, it's descending chords, but then it'll play like a arpeggio between the chord groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it does the, the three descending notes. Yeah, that's right. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, on the piano. But it's still it's still mostly strumming in those chords. It's like playing chords. Lots of chords. Yeah. Do you like chords? I do. I you know what? I like chords. I like chords. I'm playing chords. Unless it's unless it's chord over street. What? Tune into last week's episode to find out who chord over street is. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. <laughs> um, it's so easy to do. Zing. Oh, yeah. Zing. Take that chord. Um, yeah, it like it hits way more country once we hit that. Uh, once we second, hit the second verse. Mm. Yeah, that um, second verse. Pre-chorus. There's not a lot of difference in the pre-chorus, but the drums do switch up a bit. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else does he do uh, other than be country? So, in the like big part, the chorus. Mm-hmm, the chorus. Um, instead of like jumping up for this big chorus you know hair metal style thing he drops his vocals down which it gets is less of a grand feeling but it's kind of more in line with the style and i think we've seen singers who strain to jump up so it's probably good to do it this way if it's more comfortable you know yeah and i think they they made the decision to to have the instruments take up the energy pack there, they were like they were gonna bring in the organ to do some energetic fills there. Yes, the organ and the drums. And then are the drums. <laughs> yeah. And it and it gives it that country vibe. This is uh, this is the cowboy song version of "Here I Go Again," where he's like, "I'm I'm a country western guy on my own," and that that's I think that's a fair take. I think that's actually a, a good approach to this song. Yeah. At face value, like I thought this version was gonna suck. It's a minute longer, or like forty five seconds. And it's it seems very simplistic, but I for some reason I think this one hits pretty well. I think it lands the mark. They keep it up reasonably. I think the drums do a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for switching it up between the sections. 
Um, and then, you know, you get the interplay between sort of the acoustic guitar and the electric guitar doing some little licks. Yeah. Uh, between lines and stuff. Uh, all, also, the bridge has some more elements, like um, there's a vibra slap. Yeah. That... Um, and they 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 kind of the same, you know, make it darker. The chords start to have a little more tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and then vibra slap. <laughs> that's also, you get to notice the bass on the bridge, so that's always fun. That's right. And it's pretty simple as well. It's like doing root notes. Doom, doom. And then, uh, like a slide guitar kind of solo. Slide guitar. Well, it's guitar that's sliding. If it's necessarily a slide guitar, I couldn't tell you for sure. But it's that it's that country twang on it. It does, yeah. It does feel like that. Um, and the sound on the guitar here. Uh, it's not the same electric guitar that was playing chords. That's right. It's a different sound. It's this really like wide, echoey sound. But yeah, I agree. Mm. It almost sounds like not like a steel or anything, but definitely slide e yeah. slide ish. Uh, yeah, I think a respectable solo. Yeah, fitting in with the this the style change. Mm-hmm. Um, the style, but then it moves into the pre-chorus, and then the solo guitar actually keeps going. So in the original, the solo ended but like the guitar just kind of like held the chord and it just faded out because there was you know enough sustain on it the guitar right. actually keeps playing during the pre-chorus before it breaks back into the chorus yeah that's right it's just interesting mm-hmm. and then yeah after that you hit the chorus again i think you hit it a couple times yeah i think the normal chorus i didn't notice much change yeah but Maybe the drums. The drums, like I said, the drums seem to do the changes in the sections. Yeah. But and he does a little, like, around, hang on, where is it? 420-ish? Yeah, 425. They do a little, he does his, I like, the hardest he hits the vocals. I ain't wasting no more time. And the the instruments yeah. are kind of down. Gets a little, like, nasally. It's kind of yeah. pushing it. Maybe closing up a bit. Yeah, I mean it's uh I'm trying to I'm trying to like what 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 did I actually think of this song? Like it's a pretty decent version. It sounds like you said it's got like its style. Mm-hmm. It sounds like and I'm blanking I'm, I'm struggling to find the words to describe it, but I think it's what you said already. Yeah, it's like part of it is that like soft rock of the the like late 90s. Or it's a bit acoustic, and then part of it is this almost modern country element, and that that I guess makes cosmic American music. I I can't say for sure, but that's yeah. What makes these it guys cosmic? have done? I don't, I don't know because I, I was expecting cosmic. when you put the word cosmic in there, my mind turns to to sort of more psychedelic music, right? Yeah, spacey and synthesizers, and somewhere between Kraftwerk and like Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Or this and is like the opposite of that. It's like earthy music. It's blues, country, and rock, and like sort of the fundamentals of that. Yeah. So, uh, and then of course there's sort of that like naturalist, cosmic idea, where it's a connection with the land and the sky and everything or whatever. Yeah, I suppose like the earth, so, the earth is placed in the cosmos, and us as part of it, aligned we with are the earth. I guess. Yeah. Somewhere in the cosmos. It's a version that I didn't expect to like. I don't think it's the best version we're going to talk about today, but I think it is pretty solid. 
and right. uh, for, right for being a little bit longer and for being uh, kind of simplistic. I mean, even the original version is pretty simple and it's big dumb arena rock. It has its moments of complexity, but in terms of the chorus, it's just like hitting power chords. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think this is a pretty successful translation into a, a different style of music. I think they did all right. Right on Dan Maxwell. Right on his band. Right on his band. Do you think they, it was going to be Dan Maxwell and the band, but you can't call any accompanying band the band anymore? Maybe you could try. You could try. And the other band. Has anybody tried to call themselves the other band? The other band? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Or right. another band? Speaking of another band, here's a solo artist, Audra May in 2009. Audra May. Um, Audra May is a singer. And songwriter. Also a songwriter. Um, toured with Frank Turner back in 2009. Oh, no shit. Uh, according to the Wikipedia page, this song was featured on The Good Wife. It was not written for The Good Wife, uh, but it was on an episode three years after it came out. Okay. And she also sang Bob Dylan's Forever Young on an episode of Sons of Anarchy. Did we cover that? We didn't cover that, strangely okay. enough. I didn't think so. And she also provided backup vocals for the All-American Rejects in 2013. So she's, she's done some stuff. Yeah, she's really like in in the scene. She's she's done her work. She's she's getting her paychecks. She's out here. And I think this one compared to the last two we talked about mm-hmm. is much stronger in the vocal area. So she oh, yeah. clearly has has the vocal chops to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it has an attitude to it. Like it's there's mm. a bit of sass in this. That's we talked about uh, scary pockets again last week, and we how I I disagreed with the vocals on that version being sort of flat, sort of clean. This is what, this is what the they should have done. Been more like yeah, more like this. Yeah, and like especially she really like puts some personality into it later on as like mm-hmm. it picks up and there's you know you really get the energy build into some of the later lines. She really pushes it so. There's some. There's, yeah. there's, it's good. It's a good vocal, good vocal performance. Good vocal performance. Great use of the. You noted the two note guitar riff that. Bam, bam, yes. Bam, bam. They yes. I really wanted to specifically point it out because this version uses that a lot. Yes. Particularly. It's a great effect. Well, in a couple ways, but like even right off the bat, uh, mm-hmm. there's a bass. Might be a synth bass. Um, that that's the opening bass line. As she starts yeah, to sing. Yeah, and like a kick drum while she sings. Boom, yeah, and boom. It's, and then tambourine. Boom, boom. So yeah. Kind of that alternating between that. So it starts up very sparse. Um, mm-hmm. Still like low down, but very different from the original. Keeps it sparse. Um, it then uh, brings in like this, like a pop piano um, quarter notes. Oh, yeah, Which is that that? I, ding, ding, ding. Uh, just the, like, dun, 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 Oh, dun, yeah, dun, after the, that. The, so there's that, yeah, like, the clock that comes in before that. Ding, dun, yeah, dun. I think that might be a Celesta, only because I think I wrote Celesta later on. Oh, okay. But it's that, it's oh, like wow. a chime or a Celesta. Let me, let me double check that. Yeah, that sort of bright thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, never mind. I'm thinking of something else for Celesta. Thinking but, yeah, like, chimey okay. sound. Glockenspiel. Yeah whatever yeah it's metallic and it's yeah <laughs> it's it's a uh, high pitch 
And it's doing that descending, actually, that bass piano pattern you noted in the intro on the original. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Except so, yeah, it really does up. kind of take a lot of the elements in the original and just repack it, like, change them up. Yeah, really recontextualize Puts them in different places. That's the word. Recontextualize. Yeah. Thanks Including for her her move into the to the second verse, or and here I go, and like here that's a a good sort of spoken line. Yeah, and then that piano comes in, dun, 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 mm-hmm. which is fairly common in pop music, particularly I think around that time. I don't know how much it is anymore. Um, it always reminds me of "I Just Haven't Met You Yet." Michael Bublé, only because oh, okay. I've heard that song a lot because my mom really liked Michael Bublé. Right, so. and she thought the song was about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's playing those quarter notes, <laughs> and uh, even like some grace notes in between. Mm. Like it plays like a little hint of a note between the chords. Right. Lots of good. Lots I've of good sounds in this. I think there's yeah. heard what? Sorry. Uh, grace notes. I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Yeah, I think there's another word for it, but I'm blanking. But grace note is, yeah. It's basically, if you see on sheet music, it's like a tiny little note, and it'll show it tied to the note beside it. Um, okay. You're supposed to like just kind of start to play that, but then actually play the other note. Oh, I gotcha. That's interesting. I know about the like, ghost notes on, on bass guitar, where you, it's kind of like muted, where you just hover it on the string. You don't really press the fret down. So it's just kind of like a... You're really just getting the sounds of hitting a string oh, yeah. rather than getting a, a specific note. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is piano specific because mm-hmm. like the way I know how to play that is very much a piano thing. And I don't know what I would do if it was anything else. Like if it was a guitar, it would be like a hammer on or a pull off. Yeah. So a similar concept. But definitely like dependent on the physical structure of the instrument and how you play it. Yeah, and I th- I think a different result either way. Like they're similar, but True. you're gonna get a distinctly True. different noise. Definitely. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the piano comes in. Um, sorry, I've lost where we are in the uh, song. We were now. just talking. Uh, we're on the second verse. Right. Lots of the vocals really pick up here. I mean, they do yeah. in the original as well. This is where we're building to the chorus. And then it moves into the pre-chorus. Uh, the drums kind of cha- change up, too, because we start to get snaps. That's oh, right. No, we had snaps already, but there's, the drums kind of move to the toms. Yeah, that pre-chorus is really where it switches up. Um, and there's a guitar, too. There's like a little distorted guitar riff. Yeah. And then from there, we move into our, uh, the, the chorus, which, again, really emphasizes that two-note structure, that boom, boom, yep. boom, boom. Yep. So we get a distorted guitar on that as well. And then yes. one of the big intro- introductions on this is the backup vocals between her here lines. Here she goes, she goes, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and like some ooze and whatnot. Yeah, some uh, ooze and whatnot. Kind of supporting I thought- her. Yeah, I thought those were great. I was because I listened to this casually throughout the week, and then when I was taking notes, I'd be listening to other versions, and the Sing backup along. vocals would be filling in that space. I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, catchy. I really like this version overall. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like particularly, there's some uh, like rolled piano chords on the second verse that I really like. Uh, mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's more of that, like that chime comes in again later. She's just, yeah, so much personality. 
in the in the vocals. Yeah, personality and energy, which is a yeah. big part of the original. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, oh, the other thing this one does is that actually changes it up a bit. I already mentioned, um, the way it plays piano is very like pop. Yeah. Um. They do this one does after the second verse it goes into a chorus and then does the like bridge section eight bars yeah. long right back into a chorus that's which right it's kind of a more of a modern like chorus middle eight chorus uh right structure i also like the middle eight which i believe it is a middle eight in this case um yeah it's got some cool sounds in it too because it brings it slows it way down yeah. I really like that part. Um it's kind of like vocal fades out as the as the keys come in like playing those pop chords and it really feels like like the drums like it slows down, but it doesn't slow down, but it feels like it does. Like it's taking a yeah. breather. And then this yeah, like, just getting, like violin beats. comes in. Yeah. But this like almost has an astral weak sound to it. The way it's played, like like old school Van Morrison. Yeah, it's like um, it's built to fill in the back yeah. rather than take the lead, which we so often see with violins. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I thought it was a great breakdown section. There's even a chimes. What? The chimes get to play their own little riff thing here. Yeah. And then we get, of course, a breakdown chorus, which is just emphasis on hand claps and her vocals and a bit of piano. Yep. Tambourine? Is that tambourine? Usually. There's often tambourine. <laughs> There's often tambourine in there. Yeah, and then back into the full chorus. All the sounds yeah. come in. Lots of like extra crowd sounds. Yeah. And then uh, it kind of ends with like big crowd stuff and uh, some cheers from a possibly real audience possibly possibly not yeah that was my question i was like was this live the whole time it doesn't sound like a live performance uh, possibly faux live but it works because i like i yeah. like the version so i'm like yeah i don't care i don't care if it's real or fake it yeah, works and again it we we said like how do you end this song on a on an actual note and this song said this version says we don't we gotta just bring in yeah. applause and <laughs> hope that's a, a suitable ending mm-hmm yeah, it works for me. Yeah, great version. Let's talk about the old ceremony in 2011, the old pop noir ceremony. musical group yes. from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Here I go again on my own. Going down the only road I've ever known. Um, it definitely is darker. Yes. Darker version. Uh, they slow it down. It starts very sparse and then mm-hmm. really builds a lot. By the end, there's quite a bit of sort of texture and instruments and stuff. But yeah. they understated. Like, it's not big. It's just full. Yeah, and it's, it's six minutes long, so it really is a long True. road to get Stretches to that, it out. that ending, which is, while understated, like, pretty wild. There's some interesting stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Takes a long time to get there, and the vocal performance is almost like a, a spoken word Lou Reed song. Like it's just he just kind of speaks the vocals in a low, sort of gravelly voice. Yeah, yeah, it has that quality about it. It's definitely not in any hurry to get anywhere, mm-hmm. um, especially like you get some of the like 
growly guitar parts and then like the organ will blast in for a quick couple seconds mm-hmm. not even a second like just a moment you know um notably on the chorus i the one place where the like darkness lifts a bit is the chorus right uh they, there's an electric piano part and it it gets really bouncy on the chorus so to me it didn't feel as dark there and then you get those mm-hmm. quick blasts from the organ um and then you get kind yeah. of an ascending pattern on the guitar so it's still like you know it doesn't change it up that much but the rest of it feels a lot darker yeah the chorus it kind of emerges dark. from the clouds it a also bit, feels a, a little bit. bit just from some of that muted guitar playing and the presence of that organ sounds like just a touch reggae to me reggae yeah and like that that muted playing style on that guitar like muted bass is pretty common in reggae songs like on the on the chorus you mean yeah and on the verses too okay because i really notice it on the chorus because it comes in there right on uh i want to say the second verse yeah if you go to like the minute mark because like well certainly on the chorus like that organ is coming in on the backbeat yeah Yes, yeah, so the choruses, I would say, yeah, it's very pronounced, but some of those elements are present just in the verses as well. I'm noticing it less. Yeah. Doesn't really have, I mean, I guess for me that, that backbeat um, accent is really important. Yeah, it's integral, reggae. yeah. But yeah, on the, the chorus, it's there like full force. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely an interesting sound. Yeah. Like you said, more of like a almost Velvet Underground thing going on with the like Lou Reed vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, Lou Reed style vocals. Uh, the other thing they have is a, a banjo solo. Is it a banjo? Okay. Uh, it might not be a banjo, but it kind of sounds like a banjo. Yeah. It's interesting because also when it's, when that, that is, that banjo's ripping in, it's being played very fast and like almost distorted. Like it almost sounded like a steel drum to me, which again, like I hate to push this point, but like a bit reggae. Yeah. I think, I think it's strings. I do think it's strings. Yeah. I I, I do think it's strings. And they're like the way the sound has been played. It's like, if it's like a steel guitar or something that you're playing in a really weird way. Mm hmm. But it might be a banjo too. I'm not totally sure. Banjo was my first thought. Yeah, I I figured it wasn't a guitar, so I was just like, oh, you know what? Usually when it's not a guitar, it's a mandolin. <laughs> so I just threw that down. True, that and it could be also wrong. be a mandolin. Yeah, it's kind of played in a strange way. Like it's played really like high and tight. Um, and like the notes don't get a chance to ring out much. So it, it's mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's it's not played normally. Like it's a very strange solo. Like it sounds yeah, like that- when I'm playing the guitar and I just fuck up. And like half mute the note because I'm not pressing oh, the right yeah. place, you know? Like a jump to a note, but I miss the fret a bit. And it just plays mm-hmm. like, like kind of mutes it. Yeah, now that I'm hearing it now, that that's absolutely a banjo. There's no question. <laughs> like that's that's a banjo. Okay. But yeah, if you listen to it coming in at 340, like it's got a bit mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit before the 340 mark there. Like, when it's just coming in, it has just, like, a similar tone to a steel drum there. 
Yeah, because when it's playing fast enough and it, you don't get like the um, decay on the note. Yeah. And if it's not like bending like the really um, distinctive string sounds, it could sound like, yeah, you're hitting a steel drum. Yeah. Because it does have, it has a bit of a metallic quality to it. I, I don't know if that's just because banjos have like a metal ring on them or what. Yeah. Because they do. Because a banjo is just a drum with strings on it. That's correct. It's not a bad banjo solo either. No, I mean, it certainly fits the rest of it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's all consistent enough. Um, yeah, this is a song of interesting components, this version. Definitely. There's a lot of interesting things happening. It's worth listening to, but if you've got somewhere to be, it might be a little slow for you. Yeah, I think we, I think we lose what makes this song this song like we've lost like audra may found the connection i think even dan maxwell and his band found the Mm -hmm. connection to where it's like this is a version of the song this is a very strange song that has the lyrics of here i go again yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it it doesn't necessarily fit but uh but it's an interesting sound yeah and it's, yeah, so I don't, I don't necessarily dislike it because there's a lot of cool things happening. Yeah, I don't want to discount it because I, yeah. I did. I was interested by it as well. Um, but I don't it, it's it's a tough like recommendation sort of thing because I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand it well. Enough. I don't fully understand it. And I haven't listened to I, another some other old ceremony stuff. So I don't know if this is just one cheap trick that they do repeatedly, or if this is just, this is actually something interesting. Maybe we'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. But for now, I mean, that's it. Let's talk about either Dina or Dinah Eastwood in 2016. Here I go again on my own Going down the only road I've ever known Like a drifter I was born to walk alone yeah, I said Dinah. Uh, this is not Clint Eastwood's ex. Uh, okay. She doesn't spe- she spells her name without an H. So that's a different person. There you um, go. I, I was having some trouble finding info on this person, but she did say, um, mm-hmm. I think this is in the Spotify um, bio. Description, yeah. Uh, that she is sick of the American Idol pop music scene. And this would have been, right. you know, back in the early 2000s. Which I think is a bit ironic, considering that that's what this song sounds like to me. Yeah, it's, um... It sounds to me very like that 2000s kind of jazzy pop R&B. Does that make, does that play in your mind? Yeah, that plays. It's, it does, this, like, one's, like... It's on an album called Vintage Cafe. Which yeah, that's is... the other fun thing is it's called Vintage, and I guess it was Vintage, but it's talking about, like, 2000s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's calling it Vintage, which I guess it would be in 2016 and now, but it just seems odd because I was there, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this version is the... the I don't know. It's There's not a lot of interesting things happening here even the like the old ceremony version is in a weird space but i feel like the instruments still had a sense of drive behind them or it, it like it wasn't your your full drive but it's like boom 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 
like it, it was it had its own strange right. it like, seemed to have to an it. idea of what was going on yeah and this, this one is just your your classic like here's a popular song let's make it all soft yeah which it, i get and it is very soft mm-hmm. i i would even compare it to like i think that's what you're doing compared to the old ceremony version in its softness but it's less mm-hmm. effective i think i yeah. i wasn't wild about this version no, it's it's jazz without anything that makes jazz interesting or yeah. good. Yeah, um, there's a few times where they bring in like I I called it a tiny guitar. Um, obviously I don't know the size of the guitar, but its sound is very small. Mm. Um, and I don't even remember where it happens. Yeah, I've got a note here that says maybe guitar on the chorus. Was it? Does it happen? Yeah, on the there's chorus? a lot of very quiet things. Like it seems to sort of be trying to push her voice to the front, but mm-hmm. I think that. All that ends up happening is that the rest of it gets pushed to the back. I don't think her voice is necessarily. Yeah. The, I don't think it's necessarily benefiting from that. Not that she's a bad singer. No. Just that I think there's too much focus on on removing the other things instead of kind of yeah. balancing it. Well, it's an interesting thing because talking about the the original version or like the 87 version or even furthermore, the, the radio edit of the 87 version, um, apparently David Coverdale did that version while he had a cold oh, and was his voice and like, lower? well yeah well somebody mentioned they're just like he came in here like consummate professional new studio musicians to knock out this uh, another re-recording and he had a cold and he's like and he still fucking built it out an incredible performance like <laughs> so my my point being is that there's a sense that the instruments are doing their best to keep up with david coverdale in the original who is giving those vocals everything he's got Whereas here, you're like, the instruments are pulling back to give her space, but she's not doing anything with that space. That's a fun way to say it. Yeah. Um, and I don't have much else to say about it. It was kind of... Uh, it's uh, Yeah, this version and... is, what if you did just the intro of Here I Go Again, but yeah, don't it, leave the more intro. subdued and for, and you know, four minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's full length. Yeah. It's also the only one of all of them that is like close enough uh to be the same length. Yeah, that's true. A lot of these vary in length pretty wildly from the original. But this one is 2 seconds difference. Yeah. So, yeah, not great. I don't think it was great. It was like it was great. fine. It was like perfectly acceptable. It wasn't like offensively bad or anything. Yeah, it's a C. Like you'd pass yeah. the test of cover yeah. here. Maybe I go even again. a C plus. You know. Yeah. If I'm feeling, maybe if I'm feeling generous. Hmm. I mean, yeah. There's a tinkly little piano solo that comes in, and she does some vocal ad libs yeah, over it. Just ha, ha, ha. And I think it ends on vocal ad libs as well. Yeah. There's a lot of choruses that I can tell you that. Yeah. It's the songs. Made up of courses. And with that, we're going to talk about the final cover act of the day, um, Metalachi in 2016. Here I go again on my own. I first read this as Metallicai. So did I. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, like Malachi from, from the Old Testament. Like metal bands have um, like Christian imagery all the time. So I didn't think yeah. twice about it. And then I was like, oh, this is a mariachi song. 
yeah. then I looked up a thing and it was like like a performance of theirs and it was like Metalachi is gonna play something for you and I was like oh shit <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was Metallica I, this is I, a heavy I, I, metal mariachi band yeah I just I, like I looked at the name I was like oh it's probably one dude and his name's like Malachi and <laughs> he's playing metal so it's Metallica but yeah it's a, a mariachi band that plays metal songs or in this case like hard rock and um, your your Wikipedia primer on mariachi, it's a genre of regional Mexican music, typically has violence, trumpets, <clears throat> uh, what's called a vihuela, vihuela like, which is a, a sort of guitar, um, acoustic bass guitar, and a bunch of dudes singing, typically taking turns singing. Oh, but not just any acoustic bass guitar. A special acoustic bass guitar called a guitarron. Guitarron, fuck yeah. Yeah, did you look? Because I, I had to look it up because I watched this performance of them, and it's just this like, massive bodied guitar really short scale um six stringed style of bass guitar that supposedly evolved separate of the modern bass guitar like it's not it's not big bastard i've seen it because you you see mariachi bands depicted in things they're massive and it's and apparently it's called a guitarron um i gotta roll that r guitarron because it's got two r's um which means big guitar yeah, it's so uh, it might even be called Guitarron Mexicano, which is a, a big Mexican a guitar. Big Mexican guitar. Um, <laughs> yeah, so also it's it's got six strings, and apparently you often play them in groups of two, but they're not um, like like on a 12-string guitar, you'll tune them to the same, I don't think it's the same frequency, but it's the same note, like your groups of mm-hmm. two. Whereas okay. this is not. This is you tune them to um, A, D, G, C, E, A. So I don't know if you play the adjacent ones with each other or if you just normally play court, like intervals or how it yeah. works. But interesting. anyway, interesting instrument that I've not looked into before. But it's, got, no. it's very cool because it's massive. It's like all body and, and just like tiny little neck. Yeah, it's like the and CRT fretless. version of a guitar. Really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stretches back. Um, so that's the bass in this. And it's a cool instrument. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with that in mind, that like this is this version. You've basically got a metal singer, kind of like a hard rock singer. Yes, he definitely like has got the metal pipes. Like you can hear it. Yeah. Even when he's just singing the lower parts, and then he can get in like the the high part on the bridge, like that. You know, you get your metal vocals in there. And you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he can do the like high falsetto. Yeah. And so you've got like a rich violin section and guitar to open this up. Guitar doing the uh, sort of the synth melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do the intro on those as, as mm-hmm. he comes in with the singing, and then some. Uh, I assume maracas, but it could be because it's it's a mariachi band. Yeah, and it sounds like a shaker. Um, I, yeah, I did watch them do a live performance of this one. Yeah, he was specifically. using a guiro. Yes. So yeah, it could be could be that as well. Of course, that version I think was uh, a little more stripped down than this one. Yeah, this sounds more like a. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's other shaker instruments, but maracas are the ones I know about. Hmm. Um. So yeah, it, it it stays low there, and then once with the with the strings with the guitar, um, as in the original, kind of same idea, and then it breaks out in the chorus, but. Yeah. So they play that triplet transition with the strings mm-hmm. and the guitar. And then, like, it's mariachi. Yeah. <laughs> there are it's, horns. It's, 
Yeah, the horns are in. It's that classic, like, upbeat rhythm going in there. Yeah. Um, uh, horns are playing like a rhythmic line. So it's not between lines. It's rhythmic with the, yeah. with the vocals. Um, and then it kind of does like a, the end part, which uh, we were calling a refrain. Uh, yeah. It really gets the horns in there. And then, of course, the bass and some kind of woodblock or something. Yeah. You're, you're sort of like auxiliary percussion. You're non-drum-based percussion. Yeah. You're ETC. Yeah. Etc. Yes. <laughs> um, and then it kind of keeps up. It keeps up that like that energy, that motion. I mean, how do you abandon that at this point? So s- same as the original, really. Yeah. It's just a very, very different style. Yeah, just um, with a mariachi style. So yeah. he yeehaws us out of the chorus. He does yeehaw. And into the uh, the second verse, which has got that yeah that rhythm guitar behind it. Mm-hmm. Like the bass is grooving, and, and some backup vocals it, too. Yeah, uh, that big guitar. Yes, <laughs> the um, big guitar. Yes, the big guitar. <laughs> um, um, the uh, other thing I think a lot of the sections, like the bass line, kind of switches up just a little bit. Because between mm-hmm. the verse and the pre-chorus, it sounds very similar, but it sounds different. And I think part yeah. of that is the bass line, like just changes up just enough kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, like the on the original, it's a very simplistic one. This one has a bit of a groove to it. It's like boom, 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 It's like, and I don't know um, how to describe the mariachi style well enough uh, to say specifically, but like it's the mariachi style. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you know it to hear it because you've heard mariachi and other things. I couldn't, from a uh, like a musical analyst perspective, be like, "And this is the mariachi sound." But yeah, I like, feel like it's it's a genre that for some reason can get itself across very well. You know? Yeah, there's something very it's distinct. Like you hear mariachi about... and you're like, "Oh, I get it." Like, there's depth to it, though. I'm sure I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what that is because I like I'm not into mariachi or anything, but like. For some reason, and maybe it's just because, like, it's been around me my whole life. And by around me, I mean, like, in media. Um, yeah. Like, Looney Tunes. I feel like Looney Tunes yeah. is probably a big progenitor but I feel of, like, like, like mariachi. Like, on, t- on some level, I, like, kind of get it. Yeah. At least, at least in terms of the elements. But I'll tell you something I don't get, Alex. That's the spoken bit that starts around three <laughs> minutes and ten seconds. That is a little weird. That's what they do for their, like... It's after the instrument, because they do an instrumental section. The horns are, like, yeah. squealing, and there's lots of violin. And then they start to speak, uh, sometimes in Spanish. Yeah. Um, and then they rap? Yeah, in Spanish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they do. It's like a little breakdown part. It's like their community. I th- I've always thought mariachi was a very community-based thing. Yeah. So I feel like speaking is part of that, but um, that's me guessing. I don't actually know that much about mariachi. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like, like they call it regional Mexican music. And so maybe I'm just kind of uh, conflating that with folk in a sense, where it has like a very of the people vibe to it. I... I've never seen a mariachi band on a big stage, right? I, you always mm-hmm. see it. It's usually like in a restaurant and they roll over to you. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the stereotype. Uh, there are. Um... 
a mariachi performance is on a stage. Of course, sure, yeah. But yeah, no, I I agree. Like you you would see them in a restaurant or like in in a sitcom when you pay a mariachi band to do something somewhere because yes, yeah, so there's there's some level of like intimate uh live performance to it. Yeah. Um so they do that. Oh, and the guitar, they put this wah effect on the guitar for that oh, yeah. for that section. Um That's right. Doing this like uh back into the chorus, big horns, big horns in the chorus, and yep. then also more singing. Yeah. And people like being like shouting. And then the strings play us out. Mm-hmm. And then he says hey a lot. That's right. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Um, hey. yeah, hey. big mariachi energy. And of course the original song relies on big energy, so this one grabs that immediately is like, oh yeah, we can do this very easily. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. With that, we're gonna get into our final verdicts. We got three categories today. As always, the worst version, the best version, and the divorce anthem version. You're getting divorced. What do you what are you divorce, jamming? Divorce in the courtroom anthem. or okay. after the courtroom. Alright. Alright. Alex. Yes. Worst version. Worst version. What is it? Uh, for me, I think it was Dinah Eastwood. Mm. I think kind of like easy worst. It was just kind of boring to me, and none of them were like standout bad. I didn't think, but that was I think the the worst one for me. Yeah, it's. I think we had the least to say about it, and that speaks for itself. Like even Mandarina, which I don't think was a great version, but like there was at least things to latch onto and talk about. Uh, yeah. So I gotta agree with you there. What's her face? I've already forgotten her name. Dinah Eastwood. Dinah Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, best version. I think we might um, have some agreement on this one as well, because we were really gushing yep. about this one. Um, Aljame. Yeah. It was a really good version, and I really liked it. They took a lot of elements of the original and, and just totally repurposed them, changed it up. They had good attitude, great vocal performance. What's not to like? Yeah. It's, it's got yeah it's 100 percent best version great energy great performances a good use of elements from the original in a in a new light it's, it's like textbook what a good cover can be like boom Audrey yeah. May, easy yeah alex divorce anthem divorce anthem uh it's gotta be metalachi oh, i yeah. mean i mean you're you're divorced you're middle-aged maybe you're going through a bit of a crisis you're going to mexico that's right and you're, you're dancing to some mariachi. Hell yeah, it's got big divorce dad energy on it. You're oh, right. Yeah. That's that's a good pick. I'm gonna vary it up just a little bit, and because I always like to just unsettle people. The old ceremony. Fuck it. I'm gonna throw on this weird shit for six minutes, and be like, <laughs> and just cry just or something. Yeah, just cry and laugh and just be like, I'm really getting into uh, fuck. What do they call it? pop noir i'm really getting into pop noir music actually you know so it's fine yeah, myself the weird hobby midlife crisis yeah. is what i'm going for probably never heard of it probably never listen you can it's come by weird. sometime i got a bunch of records from from only one group because as far as i know they're the only ones that's our picks that's, that's our final verdict 
If you've got a different opinion, similar opinion, or want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes, whatever you'd like. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Joke Podcast as well. Boom. Gotcha. Ha. And now... For a bonus segment that I am very excited to talk about. Ah, yes. Uh, called, What's Going On With Pokemon 25? What's going on Let's with tell Pokemon? <laughs> what's going on with Pokemon? Boom, yeah, cut to 25. It's cleaner. Um, <laughs> um, Alex! Yeah? You sent me this. You were on top of it because you wake up before me on Sorry. most days. <laughs> so, yep. Katy Perry released okay. her new Pokemon single and music video. Her Pokemon uh, 25 this... album. So now there's two yes. songs out. We talked about only one to be with you already. Yeah. Now we're talking about Katy Perry. Not a cover. I don't, not a cover. This is original. This is an original song called Electric. Um, and the music video with it, it's my first impression, Alex. The song itself is pretty generic pop. Like it didn't really. Yeah, it's fine. It's it fine. I'd, it didn't like zap me away. So no, certainly not. I mean, the chorus is kind of like upbeat. Like it's like. But I've heard choruses like that before. It's not blowing me away. I mean, compared to the Post Malone um, song that used like samples from the game. Yeah. That somehow, not as despite tied being a, a cover of a Hootie and the Blowfish song, is more tied in with Pokemon than this one. Which... <laughs> this song, which is called Electric, which is a kind of Pokemon move. That mm-hmm. type of Pokemon. Um. Also, the if you watch the music video, it's in like the really widescreen, which I think is like, like cinema yeah. aspect ratio. Um, anyway, yeah, it is. Uh, and so like, sorry. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, and you look at that opening shot. Her name is spelt with Pikachu tails for the Y's. Yep, Katie with Katie and Perry. With Katie and Perry. Um. So the the. The story of the music video is Katy Perry has a, a Pikachu mm-hmm. that has been her, her uh, friend for a long time, I guess, because she goes to a yeah, lighthouse her- and starts to reminisce about her earlier self. So there's another person uh, playing young Katy Perry, and, yeah. and she's got a Pichu because uh, you got to evolve. Actually, uh, I believe you have to max out Pichu's friendship to evolve to Pikachu. I don't remember. Oh, my God. That's right. It is. It's, uh, it's a lot of the baby Pokemons. Yeah. You have to max out the affection. Out the f- and so that means yeah. Katy Perry and Pichu weren't the best of friends. At, no, but they, they were still forming their relationship. Do they just reminisce or are they going back well, in time, Well, see, that's Alex. the thing. It seems like reminiscing at first. And then Katy Perry's in the shot with young Katy Perry. So, that's And right. she starts to ch- uh, affect events. So Katy Perry, young Katy Perry, is performing... At like a farmer's market on a stage because she's a a struggling performer and she's got her acoustic guitar and her Pichu, who's not in this first shot. Oh, no, it's behind the it's behind the. Um, So she just got an amp on a stage and no one's paying attention to her. She's getting a little discouraged. And Pichu, I think, believes in her. Encourages her. That seems to be what we're supposed to like their relationship. relationship. Yeah, is like what. Is kind of um it's like an inspiring her. Pikachu one yeah you know it's... like they need each other or you know they mm-hmm. they they strengthen each other um and then it sometimes jumps back to 
to now Katy Perry in a lighthouse because you got to have like epic shots of wind blowing the hair. And stuff. Yeah, she dances around this lighthouse and it sometimes lights up. Yeah, um, possibly because of Pikachu, but it doesn't really show that. Um, and then after young Katy Perry gets encouraged, she keeps playing and then people give her a bunch of fruit and that's sometimes right. money and one just yep. thank you card. Oh, no, wait, that's just hers. She put that there because she's saying thank you for the money. Oh, Never mind. she's saying thank you for the money. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah that, that's normal. And then uh, she goes into a shop and then Katy Perry's like, oh, got to make and Pikachu as well, because, you know, they're mm-hmm. now. she's like, got to make sure she knows about this talent show. So she like pulls a rope, which closes the window, which has a sign on it. It's like, hey, talent show talent show yeah and she's like i don't know if i'm cool enough for a talent show and then she like puts a uh or young Katy perry doesn't know if she's cool enough for the talent show so now Katy perry puts up this jacket so she's, and then she sees it she's like well I, I i have this jacket now so i can perform yeah that's right because she she specifically looks at her shirt and like pulls at it like oh this is not like, good i'm for not cool enough i'm too frumpy and my my lines are too horizontal people won't like it yeah and so then she goes to the talent show and, and plays. And then Katy Perry is there in disguise, older Katy Perry, wearing a little, like, babushka, like, yeah. handkerchief. <laughs> Headscarf. Headscarf, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, just with Pikachu in the, back, in the back of the crowd, being very happy yeah. with her massive sunglasses. Um, and then it just goes back. Well, then it just jumps back and forth between showing now Katy Perry in the lighthouse and young Katy Perry. Yeah, and then her and, her and Pikachu open their eyes and look at each other, like, and they smile, like, oh, we're the best of friends, and also, we just, we, so here's where things are, so what, wh- why did she time travel, Alex? <laughs> to help herself become herself, which already so, happened, I don't know. So, yeah, here's my question to you, is the Katy Perry, the older Katy Perry of this version, from an alternate reality of our world where Katy Perry is a famous musician? There's did not this, enough information to make did, this Did call. this Katy Perry go back in time and, and, and she knew for some reason, you know, back to the future-wise, that this talent show was the, the key moment in her career. She didn't hear about it until the week after and she realized that would have made her famous. Um, so then she goes back in time to give herself a jacket and make her go to the talent show? So yeah, right, because she she never became famous, and she became a lighthouse attendant instead. Yeah, with it with her her Pikachu companion, with her Pikachu companion, who she already knew. Yeah. At the time, um, I'm gonna say no. Honestly, I don't think there's enough there. I think it's I don't think this is necessarily that well thought through. Yeah, do you think this is just like a flippant time travel story where she's like, yeah, should have like, gone to that talent gonna, show. Fuck, Ten years ago, or whatever, like fifteen up. years back. Yeah, I I don't really know. Oh, someone's excited. Sorry, got distracted. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a a conf- like it's confusing. There's always something confusing about these, and this one is this <laughs> the plot of this music video. Did Katy Perry just really want a vintage leopard print jacket, and she couldn't find one in the present? Or take it back to the present? When it would be in mm. better condition and there wouldn't be a chance of her losing it between then and now. Yeah, she's, she's left her younger self with this jacket and just has to hope she'll care for it. Like, I don't know if I'd trust myself. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, it's a straightforward story of, like, friendship and, and believing in yourself. 
Yeah. So like it, it works well enough. I, well I enough. don't the only other thing that would make... understand the time travel. Yeah, the only other way it would make sense is if it wasn't time travel, and it's just a young musician who who Katy Perry sees herself in. But then why would she go to the the effort to disguise herself and do all these like sneaky bits if it's not her? Like it doesn't it doesn't clock that way yeah, either. It's... I don't know. And this is supposed to be like her daughter or something. It it's clearly supposed to be her. Like they've they've colored her hair to yeah. be exactly the same but shorter. Yeah, and the Pikachu Pichu connection is yeah. like. I think you're you're solid evidence there. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's, we're, I don't know. We might be we might be thinking about it too much, and I hate we, to say yeah. that. Um, but you know, <laughs> we might we, be the wrong audience be. here. We might, we might be. Um, worth noting. I mean, the lyrics are pretty much just like, "Hey, you know, keep on, keep on keeping on." The lyrics are basically just "Here I go again," but different. Um, she. There are some like like subtle references to the the i think the tv series and like its theme song you've got the power now um yeah that classic line from pokemon is that a pokemon line uh no i'm trying to remember about i feel like there's a connection with power but now i'm blanking that's the only reason yeah i it made me think that too but i the same as you i can't think of what it is but in the first verse she says in the dark when you feel lost in the second line want to be the best ah i want to be the very best but at what cost um, and then she says, "Big world, gotta see it all," which which kind of rings close to "Gotta catch 'em all." Um, yeah, yeah, you've got the power now. Um, you've got the touch. You've got the power. Which could all just be electricity references. Oh uh, yeah, that, that could be electricity reference. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other ones I noted as being sort of references to. Yeah, there is also uh, a big world gotta see it all line, which could uh, mm-hmm. be a reference to, you know, traveling across the land searching far and wide. Searching far and wide, yeah. Um, Your heart is stronger. Uh, I, I'm looking for... The power that's inside, Alex! Oh, she says that? Oh, she doesn't say that, but oh, I, yeah, that might got, be weird. That's what, that's thinking what the power. Is you got the power now. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, it's just like, you can do it. Um, life can be electric, which is, I guess, to say bright and... And good. Do you think they're gonna release like at some point just the rest of the songs? Because I feel like it's been a couple months. We've got two songs. At some point, I don't think they're gonna do them one by one. It seems like it's too. Well, slow. there's three big artists, and then for some reason they did Post Malone as one too. So there's Katy Perry, there's J Balvin, and there's an as of yet unannounced third like headlining act. And those three are all supposed to have uh, an original single, a music video, and then a, a line of Pokemon 25 merchandise to go along with them. So there's going to be some Katy Perry-themed like shirts and, and what have you. But um, as to the release schedule, I think at the end of this year is supposed to be when the album drops. And I think, yeah, uh, like, you, like you said, that's going to be the rest of them. So we're going to get the top three plus Post Malone. The end of the year, and- though? Yeah, it's supposed to come out, like, I want to say October or, like, fourth quarter or some shit. I'm trying to pull up the article I wrote about it on my hit website, jcressy.ca. Um, but my website is very slow for some reason. Mm-hmm. Look into that. Maybe that's why nobody hires me. They're like, this website's too goddamn slow. I do not want to read about Pokemon. <laughs> that that doesn't unbelievable. I'll tell you. I'll let you know. Why wouldn't, um, you, want to, why wouldn't you want to hear us talk about Pokemon for ten minutes? 10 minutes. Come on. Uh, 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 uh. Come on, you bastard. 
I know you can feel it. Feel it. If you believe it, leave it. Leave it. Um, here we go. Boom. What we know. Eh, only on detail for the main focus is yeah, we'll each be releasing a song inspired by Pokemon along with the company music video. Is the album which will be released near the end of twenty twenty one by Universal Music Group's Capitol right. Records. Um yes, fourteen songs by eleven universal music group artists. So some of them will be doing multiple tracks or possibly collaborating on tracks together. It's a lot to ask. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, that's till later in the year. Um, I did actually have Jay Balvin down for a cover of Electric Feel by, by MGMT, but I think with Katy Perry having a song called Electric, you don't want to muddle the, muddy the waters too much there and have songs too similar. I just realized now I'm looking at my, it's, this is, don't, no, forget about this. All this to say, yeah, we will eventually, I think, just get a mass drop of the the songs, but the lead up is going to be Katy Perry's Jay Balvin, and then this unannounced artist, and then, boom, Pokemon 25, probably like November-ish, October, November, I'd guess. All right. Guess we'll have more to talk about then. Yeah, and you can kind of tune in to cover me for breaking news a week after it happened get all the hot takes um that's this one that's katie perry electric that's been what's going on with pokemon that's the end of our episode and as we always say on cover me hanging on the covers of the songs of yesterday and i've made up my mind now it's podcasting time here i cover me here i cover me